This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast that reveals everything you ever wanted to know about interiors and explains how to make it actually work for you in your home. We're old hands now, total podcast experts, and not at all overexcited to be starting the second series. And we'd like to say a huge thank you to DFS for sponsoring this second series DFS is the UK's largest sofa retailer and turns an incredible 50 years old this year. Now, if I sound a bit shivery, it's because I'm actually having to record this outside in Sophie's drive because she wants to do a big reveal. There's been a lot going on. There has been so much going on at my house since I last had you here. For example, my front door is now pink. Very nice shade of pink. Can we go through it now? Come on, come see in. the hallway. <laughs> Ta-da! Wow, <laughs> it's it's intense. <laughs> what do you think of the colour? I think it's lovely. I wasn't sure when you said blue, I'll be honest. Uh, but it's a beautiful sort of deep cobalt blue. Yeah, dark, yeah. quite dark. Well, it's, dark called, it's called um, lazuli is what it's called. So oh, jewels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's got that very, very, very rich, intense colour, which is mirrored by the pattern floor tiles. But the real star of the show has to be that bright pink stair runner, don't you think? Oh, it looks amazing. <laughs> I was a bit scared when you said you were going to put pink and blue together, but actually having seen it in real life, it looks amazing. Oh, wow. Stamp of approval from UK. Well, I'm... clearly, I'm not going to do it in my own house. No, it does. It looks fantastic. And with the pattern tiles, I love a pattern tile. Yeah, the whole thing's come together. And I think, you know, for hallways, for me, it's about doing that whole, ta-da, welcome to my house. So, you know, this is setting the scene for the other rooms. Do you want to come and check out the living room? Sure. Is it done? Mm, no, actually. But it's <laughs> getting there. That's the thing. It's oh, a bit getting of paint there. on the walls. It's a good yeah, start. Well, we've got this new lovely chevron parquet on the floor. I've gone very pale, almost new dusky pink. I would have gone stronger if I'm honest, but the husband drew the line. So was he drawing lines? He was drawing lines a bit. So it's very, very pale pink. But as you can see, that's all we've done. We've got bespoke joinery to go in. I've got to cover my sofa. 
Now, I'm hugely lucky. You know, I've got this lovely house and it is my dream home and dream project. But at the same time, it's been really exhausting and it has got me down because ultimately I realised that there wasn't one room finished in the house. So there was just no sanctuary. There was no way I could escape the madness. No, it's a nightmare, isn't it? And actually what I've learned after doing a few houses is we always start with the bathroom now because that you get that one room nice, you can get clean, you can hide from all the dust and you can just sit in a beautiful tiny space and cry. (laughs) Right, now we're settled down. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had a good break with the maximum of twinkly lights and nice things to eat and minimum of drunken arguments and family politics. (laughs) Well, January is a funny time, isn't it? I mean, you know, Full of hope and turning over new leaves, but also, you know, it's a bit grey and grim and I'll be quite frank, a little bit hungover. (laughs) Kind of overindulge a little bit, if I'm honest. Anyway, we're back here to banish the grimness. Over the next six episodes, we're going to talk all sorts of things like more rooms to plan. For example, we've got kids rooms coming up and more hot topics to debate, like why white paint should be banned. I'm looking forward to that one. (laughs) And we might mix things up with the occasional interview too. So stay tuned wherever you get your podcasts for lots of really juicy stuff. So what have we got lined up for today, Sophie? Now you've bigged us up as the ultimate cure for January. (laughs) What are we going to talk about? So today we have for you New Year decluttering. Yeah, cringe. Bring back the chintz as well, I say. Uh, We're going to be planning the home office and throwing in a few design crimes to boot. So let's get going. So first of all, come on then, New Year, declutter. (laughs) There's still quite a lot of stuff in here, Sophie. I know. Yes, exactly. We can see this is a cry for help, isn't it? And I I always find like after Christmas, which I absolutely love, the you know, I love bringing in all the decorations and the tree. And obviously there's been more presents been given. Arthur's got more stuff. And actually the kind of knee jerk reaction to all that lovely bounty is I just want to get rid of half of it. I just want a new clean start to the new year. I mean, I'm not, I don't hold with that Marie Kondo woman. I haven't read it. I'm not, you know, my socks aren't sparking joy for me. So just to point out, Marie Kondo is a decluttering expert who wrote a very popular book (laughs) called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, A Simple Effective Way to Banish Clutter Forever. I'm and not, you don't hold sway with that. Well, I'm not against tidying. I'm not naturally tidy, but I'm married to someone who is quite tidy. You so, are, I've seen, I've seen. you know, 23 years in, I've learnt to be a bit tidier than I naturally would be. But I, do I hoard things? My husband would say I do. I like things to be tidy. So I like everything to have a place, mm. even if I have a lot of stuff. I think that for me is the headline in all of this. You've got to have systems in place. See, that's my husband yeah. talking there. He'd say, so if we need <laughs> systems in place, which basically means we need shelves for our books and cupboards for our stuff. And then when everything's got a place, it's not just cluttering up the kitchen worktop or being left on the kitchen table or being draped over the chair. It's all those sorts of places you want to eliminate, those dumping grounds. That's completely the key. And I remember when we were doing our kitchen, I remember saying, I want enough storage space so that if I want a cupboard just for Tupperware, that is what I will have. I mean, we haven't quite got that. But the point is, 
the storage needs to be easily accessible and it needs to be easy to put it away because if you've got, I've got in my wardrobe shelves with baskets in them and in order to put certain things away, I have to pull the basket off the shelf and put it in and put it back up again. It's not going to happen. It's on the floor drobe. But if, you know, <laughs> if it's easy to put it away, you're much more likely to. So really, it's not about getting rid of all your stuff. It's about having enough space to put the stuff. And when you're full, something has well, to go. Well, this is the big thing, isn't it? Available space. And what I see happening a lot in people's homes is they have more stuff than space available. And one of the most asked questions I have is solutions for small space living. Yeah. And it, what that is, is I've got too much stuff and I can't cram it all in. So I think- well, I can't bear to get rid of it. Oh, can't bear to get rid of it. So I think you've got to be really realistic about your available space like you have what you have and there well it hasn't been invented yet the TARDIS cupboard which means it will take everything (laughs) can you work on that so I think you've got to be really realistic about what you own and this is where people get in a tangle because we essentially have a lot of stuff we don't need here especially in the west don't we and so you have to at some point and I'm talking from somebody who's a massive hoarder like I wish I could practice what I preach but you have to let things go but there can be quite an emotional attachment to stuff for a lot of people but it's also simple things I remember reading somewhere that actually nobody really needs more than six mugs I mean assuming you live with one other person or the 2.4 children whatever the average is I mean we've probably got about 15 or 20 mugs and we have you know that's a mug for my mother-in-law and that's a mug for my mother and that's the one the builder likes and that is all ridiculous six mugs is fine get rid of all the rest of them you know we have too much of that stuff okay and that old adage in the kitchen about when you buy a new gadget if it lives in a cupboard you won't use it so actually it has to live on the worktop and if you're not using it enough to live on the worktop do you need it that's really harsh you see what I've got in my kitchen which is I'm really lucky it's not a massive kitchen but it has a separate utility room with a worktop in it and I have my Vitamix that I do my health smoothies when if oh, when I it's get January. To, yeah, you know, when I get around to that, doing it. But that'll be in a cupboard. Next I have month. the um I have the Mullinex thing on there for when I bake cakes, which isn't very often, but it's a nice thing to do with Arthur and yeah. birthdays and what have you. I've got my slow cooker in there and I've got my bread maker in there. And they're all lined up on the worktop, so I don't have to put them in the yeah. cupboard, but I also don't have to look at them in my kitchen that in the utility room. But if, if you, know you don't I mean. have that, you see, we yes, don't, I don't have that space because we've toyed with the idea of getting a bread maker, but we can't because actually I would eat an entire loaf of bread every day before <laughs> breakfast and I would be about 15 stone. So that's not going to happen. But also it would have to live on the worktop because if I had to get it out once a week, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't make the bread. Yeah. We've got a juicer and they're such a pain to wash. It's in the cupboard. I mean, that actually, I could I could declutter my juicer. There you go, January. Oh, the juicer's been decluttered. <laughs> right, winning at January. Now what should we talk about? <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about the emotional process of getting rid of stuff because I think this is massive for people. When my mum downsized from our family home, which was like a four-bedroom family house, down to a much smaller two-bedroom annex, she had to get rid of so much. And this was immeasurably hard for her. Like, so, so Well, it feels like you're getting rid of part of your life, doesn't it? Yeah, it it really did. And it got to the point where we actually ended up paying for a decluttering expert to come and help her out. Because they didn't have the emotional attachment. Yeah, because I was trying to encourage her to throw stuff out. We were arguing and you know, I was just thinking this is no good at all. So I really recommend, especially for people going through a big life change or a big house move, it's a really good exercise because what this lady did with mum was created three piles. One was get rid of it immediately. One was not sure. And one was I've definitely got to keep it. Yeah. And 
what was great about the definitely get rid of it pile is mum said it was she would just immediately take it out of the house and put it in the boot of her car and mum was like it was just gone there was no like second guessing and then the not sure pile they could then work through that with a little bit more time and a little bit more thought and a little bit more process but at no point did mum feel bullied to get rid of everything and then you kind of get the excitement of feeling quite light and free yeah, when all this totally stuff it sort makes of sta- a it starts yeah. turning around and you suddenly can't oh yes and that can go and that can once go. you get in the zone you start chucking stuff yeah. out of the windows I, I did a similar thing actually I didn't think it through in quite such a philosophical way but we had a storage bed for a couple of years and so I threw under the bed all the things that were those sort of just in case or I can't bear to get rid of so there were several old handbags which I wasn't using but they might be useful and lots of scarves loads of hangers and there was all that stuff that lived under the bed and then we changed beds and we didn't have a storage bed anymore and so I remember lifting up and looking at that stuff and going do you know what I haven't even looked at that for two years it can go but I mean for every 10 things you realize you don't need there might be one (coughs) sorry you're right there it's all that detoxing now she's coughing (laughs) it's all the January detox effect (laughs) it's coming out but yeah, I think that a halfway house to declutter is a really good idea. Put something out of sight and out of mind for a period of time and then go back to it and see if you want it. The next thing when you have decided what, what you can live without or what you haven't even looked at for two years is where to send it. Because I know another really big thing for my mum keeping hold of stuff is that feeling of like, oh, well, that actually cost me quite a lot of money or that's actually a really mm. lovely quality thing. That's a really nice handbag. And with the decluttering expert who said, well, I can put these on eBay for you. I know of a Calais charity who are looking for coat, winter coats and bedding and things like that. You know, all of a sudden, mum found that really freeing, that the things that she no longer needed were going to be useful to someone else. I think that's key because we've gone to... I read a news story a few weeks ago actually saying that some charity shops had so much stuff that they were turning things away. So mm. you think you can't even get rid of it in that way. So it's about finding the right place. And I think furniture and things, often local councils will take it for women's refuges or shelters or places like that. You could even have a big yard sale if you've got a load of stuff, especially if you're doing house stuff, because that can be really bulky and annoying to try and get rid of. If you've got furniture and objects, obviously there's good old eBay and websites like Preloved if you've got something of some value. I mean, it is time consuming. I mean, I've done quite a lot of selling secondhand and I think that is only worth doing if it's, like I say, valuable. Otherwise, I stick stuff on FreeCycle, yes. which is a, a UK nationwide website where you can advertise things for free. So again, it just makes you feel good knowing that something you no longer want yeah. is going to be really useful for somebody. Also, there was a fashion reboot lately. Have you heard of these fashion yes. reboots? Kira was... Elliott and Erica Davis, isn't yeah, it? Getting yeah, yeah. They clothes. recently had one in yeah. Brighton, which I think is a lovely idea. So this is where you take your clothes. Again, probably your your nice bits. Yeah. And you have your own little market stall for an evening. So you're selling your own wares, you know, every little bum bag of money and everything. But the big thing is it's a great social night out. Yeah. And it's loads of ladies all getting around, switching and swapping clothes. I've also known friends do it just around their houses, gone, right, I'm having a wardrobe chuck out or a couple of girlfriends having a wardrobe chuck out. Get a rail in your front living room. Get the Prosecco in. It's January. <laughs> oh, do, it in, do it next month. <laughs> and then I suppose the next 
tip and advice is don't stop, keep going. Don't wait for another two years until you've yes. hoarded it all up under you the bed again. You need to do it regularly, don't you? Yeah, look at things all the time and See, keep, keep moving it out. This stuff, Kate, but I just can't do it. Yeah, well, this is very clear case, dear listeners, of <laughs> do as Sophie says, <laughs> not, not she as does. she does. And you're very, very lucky that this is just audio and not visual. <laughs> but I will take some sneaky pictures and show you on stories later. <laughs> Coming up soon, planning the home office, talking chintz, and of course, design crimes. But before we do, here's my regular reminder to please subscribe, rate, and review us. I know all podcasts bang on about it, but that's because it really does help drive us up the charts so more people can find us. Plus, we just love reading the reviews. Recently, particularly enjoyed a review (laughs) from Sarah Camps. So I think what she meant to say was, love listening to these two talking over the washing machine in their own homes, as if it's two friends sat in my kitchen giving me advice on what I should do next with my interiors, which is such a lovely thing to say. But because of a typo, she actually described us as two fiends sat at her kitchen table, which really cracks me up. Maybe that is more accurate, I don't know. Let's not go there. (laughs) Anyway, Kate, time to talk chintz. So, I think you need to explain chintz to me. I'm thinking florals. Yeah, I'm you're quite on board with florals, but is this a specific thing? Well, I don't know what it is, because obviously, as you know, I'm doing up my home, so I'm just obsessing at the moment about, you know, what I'm going to put in what rooms. And all that's coming up for me right now is I am obsessed with chintz. And yes, they are florals, but they're particularly loud, bright, brash kind of florals, which I associate very much with the 1980s. I've just looked up the famous Ikea advert for, oh, the dog's gone mad. (laughs) She doesn't like chintz. (laughs) Clearly, not a chintzy girl. Yeah, she's trying to leave the room and the door's shut. (laughs) I've let her out. It was a squirrel, but don't worry. No squirrels were damaged while recording this podcast. It wasn't a chintz squirrel, was it? No chance of catching. She's far too fat to catch squirrels. (laughs) Right. Mean. <laughs> so I looked up actually. The most famous thing we know about chintz is, well, perhaps not the most famous, but that advert which was 1996. Chuck out your chintz. Oh, the IKEA ad. The IKEA ad when 96. Yes. Is that? Now do you feel old? <laughs> um, and that was the last time that anybody ever sort of talked about it. In t- and Quite it was a zeitgeisty as- way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was about getting rid of that old-fashioned decor, and of course, because it was an advert for IKEA, it was about get rid of the fuss the old-fashioned, perhaps very traditionally British look in favour of something clean, minimalist and more modern. Yeah. Yeah. But bizarrely, I saw on Instagram a few weeks ago that IKEA have brought out a new sofa, which is very, very chintzy. Ah, you see, I'm right. It is bring back, it's time to bring back the chintz. Bring back your chintz. It is, I'm sort of, and interestingly that it was a chintz sofa. So that's my ultimate design goal right now to finish off the living room. You know, got the walls painted, you know, we're making big leaps, but I want a really, really strong chintzy floor So it's sofa. big flowers. It's not little sprigs of flowers, which no, I don't it's, like. Look, that, I mean, it goes back, you know, the history of chintz goes all the way back to the sort of 1600s and in India and using block printing techniques to create quite graphic floral designs. So, it's a, so chintz is a method of producing that design. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Right? And it also quite often had like a glazed 
finish to it, you know, that sort of shiny yeah. fabric, glazed cotton, I think they call it. And then it became like massively, massively popular in the 17th century in Europe, over from India. So, you know, it's been around. Yeah. It is a design classic. I'd then say within my living memory, it was massively fashionable in the 80s with your pelmets. Oh, and the and swags. Your swags. <laughs> yes, yeah. those massively ornate curtains. Yeah, we had a lot of that. But it's stippling home. on the walls. Oh, yes. Are you, you going to rag roll your walls yeah, over the top? <laughs> yeah, I haven't quite gone back to the Jocasta Innes paint techniques. That's not, <laughs> I'm not lusting over those just yet. But it's quite formal. It's very kind of like country house. Uh, it has all that nostalgia attributed yeah. to it. And I think that's why it's become quite cool. And I'm, you know, a woman in my 40s. Like, I am not on the brink of being, like, a bright, young, fashionable thing. But what I've noticed is, like, even H&M have just done the collaboration with GP&J Baker, who, you know, that's a fabric brand that's been around since the 1840s, I think. That's ultimate chintz. Ultimate chintz. And H&M designers worked with GP&J Baker to go through their archives, look at a lot of the very, very traditional florals, which are very chintzy, and they made them into clothing, into a very, very sellout fashionable clothing range. And, you know, you had 20-somethings in GP&J Baker chintzy jumpsuits. I mean, it was just brilliant. It's it's how you bring it up to date, isn't it? So you can obviously have a chintzy sofa with very traditional cushions in a very traditional house. And that will look perhaps not like the 1980s, but it will look very traditional mm. English country home. It's about how you mix it up and, and make, make it, it modern. modern. And that, I think, is the key because I think, yes, it's great, but just having a few chintzy cushions might look a bit old-fashioned. So you need to find a new way of doing it. So we just re-upholstered the shares long, Enid, the cat's shares, obviously. And I found this gorgeous material by Arley House, which is a very dark floral. So it's sort of... Uh, it's quite it, a big, bold floral It's as well, very, it? it's sort of ditzy. chocolate brown with big, sort of blousy roses on it in pink. And I did want to do the whole thing, but our walls are dark. What, and, that, and the whole chaise The whole chaise in it. And the walls are dark. And I thought that is just going to look traditionally Victorian because, well, actually it's an Edwardian chaise, but it's going to look old fashioned. It's going to look Miss Havisham, like I'm sitting there in my cobwebby wedding dress. <laughs> um, so you have to make it look more modern. So actually what we did was just the back of the chaise and the piping and the arm in the florals and then the rest of it in this very pale blush pink. So we slightly mixed it up a bit to try and make it look more so modern. So your attack on making chintz modern is just to use it as a small accent. Or you can use it as a big accent, but don't use it all over. You need to think oh, about see, it a bit that more. That is where yeah. I'm completely, <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely disagreeing because I think the way to make chintz modern is to absolutely go maximum attack and again I think that's why it's quite fashionable because obviously maximalist interiors are They're quite really on trend strong. right now aren't yeah. they? So I would actually say you want your whole sofa posted in it, ideally setting it in a room that's covered in chintz wallpaper on all four walls. I mean I'm kind of like channeling that house of hackney yeah, I might even have a swag God, while I'm You are it. not <laughs> having a swag Get off the pelmets I, well, yes, I think if you can pull it off, for me I wouldn't find that restful in my mm. living room where I want to be restful. It's too much pattern. You it's find too much. It and I like the idea of clashing patterns. Or, you know, we should talk about that in a future episode because I think there's a real knack to doing it and I'm not sure I know how to do it. But I would much rather have, for example, really chintzy wallpaper and then 
almost mid-century modern furniture oh, or yeah. mix so it up. Oh, yeah, the styles as yes, exactly. another way to do it. Have that, if you want that Scandinavian clean paired back furniture, have the really over-the-top wallpaper or put chintz wallpaper on your ceiling and keep the rest of the room much more toned down. So I, I don't think I could cope with doing the whole thing. So the way I probably do it is to use quite contemporary colourways. So I That's would avoid any of those sort of Browny, russety, mustardy coloured florals. Those colours actually, but they're really fashionable at the moment. But you're right. So if you tend to those sorts of colours, you need to have them as plain accents. I think so. To yeah. your mix. So you want. I like. Sort of I like the way neon. That, well, they, yeah, you, there is now. Neon I could popping. get on board with yeah, that. Exactly. All yeah. you know, all those really rich teals and petrol yeah. blues and really kind of rich and dramatic colourways. So what you're saying is that you're taking a very classic English country house pattern, mm -hmm. but you're putting it in almost, for the sake of argument, very urban colours. So yes. you're mixing it up that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's how you keep it looking fresh and modern. Yeah. And having fun with it. Oh, I might be tempted. <laughs> it's quite rock star, <laughs> I reckon, if you get it right. Otherwise, yeah. But that's so, the other way to modernise it, isn't it, is you use different materials. So now you can get much more patterned velvet, which I yeah, think yeah, yeah, we yeah. weren't getting that much in yeah, the, the 80s and previously. It was it was that glazed cotton or heavy linen. Yeah. So actually, again, that's more modern to do it in velvet and then mix it with a plain linen. It's about really trying to, to sort of subvert it and do it in a way that it wasn't done before yeah by either changing up the colors or changing up the material so have i got you on board with it then are you embracing the trend for chins? i'm committing to nothing <laughs> <laughs> i think i might have just talked to you around in the last 10 minutes i think i think everybody just witnessed that didn't they <laughs> I don't, well, no. Right, so on to the next part of our How to Plan a Room series, and this time fits with the January mood. We're going home offices. <laughs> Talk me through your home office, Sophie. Well, this is really topical for me because I've actually just moved my office, which was in Brighton, in an office, to my house ah. out in the countryside. But you know what? The biggest revelation was I was working with my PA, Maria, on this, and she's amazing because she... This is why I have her, because she's really organised and ruthless. And she told me that I do not need all these ring binders of paperwork. I can just scan the relevant bits and go paperless. So I think I had like eight ring binders and now I've got like one of like essential That's incredible, like birth certificates yes. and things I've kept and everything else. But it's so oh, easy to scan stuff now, isn't it? Mm. You can just scan it on your phone yeah. and just keep it. You've also, you've got to be really realistic about where it's going to be in your house. Okay. So in our like last what room terms, you pick? In what room? Because what people tend to say is, oh, that's the smallest room, so it can be the spare room and it can double up as the office. And we did that in our last house and it was a tiny room up under the eaves. The little, the little box room. The little called, box room and it made perfect sense. So every time I stood up because it was under the eaves, I banged my head. And do you know, actually, you know in cartoons when they have stars? Yes, <laughs> You Honestly, stars. literally, I have seen stars. I've never had the chirping birds, but I have seen the stars. So I did that, you know, every day for five years. And the other thing was it was right at the top of the house. So I'd run up to the top of the house and, you know, type two sentences. And then the doorbell would ring and it'd be someone with a delivery. So you'd pelt back downstairs again and up and down and up and down. And it was dark with a small window. And I just didn't want to be in there. So what happened was gradually I just abandoned that room and I would set up shop at the kitchen table. But that brings its own set of issues 
because you need to be quite disciplined about paperwork. So I had a box, a plastic box with a lid on wheels. So I would just chuck everything in there, what, the put the lid the on it at the end of the day and slide it under the table and then bring it out again the next day. So it was a sort of mobile office. So I mean, it wasn't completely ideal, but it was a way of being able to work in a nice place and be quite organised. That's a really good idea. But I've seen... People do clever things by building offices in cupboards. So if you've got yeah. an alcove, then... And I've actually had lots of clients where if they've asked me in to do like a kid's bedroom or a teen's bedroom and there's an alcove. So put shelves in the top half and then have the, the lowest shelf, if you like, at kind of seat height. So you can have a stool or a little chair that slides in underneath. You can even flip out, can't it? Can even it flip deeper, it out. Deeper, deeper You've desk. constructed a desk there. You can have shelves above. You can stick a light on it and all their books or a bit of a chalkboard to write on. A bit of cork tiles mm. are brilliant as pin boards and they can sit in there and work and do homework. Or you can do work if it's in your own alcove and then you can just close the door on it at the end of the day and that's a really good way to have a hidden office in fact there's somebody i've just seen do this recently the boys at 2lg studio have just done it in their kitchen haven't they and they yes. redesigned their whole kitchen fitted kitchen and one of the really tall cupboards is actually a little mini home it's double doors and you double open doors it. Yes. and you open it and you've got all your folders yeah but you can the idea is, is you close the doors on it at the end of the day which yeah. i think is really nice psychologically if you have your really office important. in your home yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. really important so that's a good tip but also, you know, I think we live in smaller and smaller houses now. We're renting smaller spaces. Our new build houses are the smallest in Europe, something like 76 square metres for a new build house here. It's 170 something in Denmark. Over double. So really small spaces. More of us are working from home or flexi working. So we need to think very carefully. Oh, hello, Lucy. Hello. Yes. Oh, she's arrived. She's back. Lucy's in her home she's office. She's very... But this is my home office situation right here. Her With the dog on, on your lap. has yeah. to be in the middle of everything. Yeah. So when I'm working from home, I love it because she keeps me company. It's really nice. But part of what I'm going to have to plan into my new home office is an armchair for her because she won't she sit. She gets her own armchair. She won't sit on the floor next to me. She has to be here, like where the action's at. So I need I need an office chair for myself and for my dog. So you're going to need a bigger space than most of us. That's true. <laughs> She's my um, little office assistant. <laughs> but the the other thing is you've got to think there is a certain even if you've got rid of eighteen ring binders there is a certain amount of storage. So there's the printer that's got to be housed and all. Oh, that okay, kind so of printers because yeah. I mean this is the thing, isn't there? There is a lot of office technology is so important but so ugly. So my home office is going to double up as a as a dining room. So we don't. Use Use the dining room that often but the dining table will be my desk because I love a big desk yes, to work too. at so the dining table will be my desk but I'm gonna have to upscale it probably like twice a year when it's someone's yes. birthday or Christmas when yeah. we actually eat it when we all want to eat around a really big table so I need to think about the aesthetics I don't want to see lots of ugly printers and stuff hanging around. So I just heard about this printer because I think printers are one of the last things to have been revolutionised. You know, we've all got now, you can have coloured speakers, so you can, you know, have nice looking speakers in your home. The tellies now, what, we can hide What, just generally making tech look more yeah, interior design aesthetic, really, We've isn't got it? much better at that now, and that's taken quite a long time. And the printer, I think, is one of the biggest, ugliest and last things to be revolutionised. So there's one by HP, 
And it sort of looks like a book, but the point is, it's got what? a sort of well, a it's, printer it's, that looks like a book. It's How got big a is material it? wrap around it. No so way. So it's about I don't know, 40, 30, 40 centimeters, and quite thick. But when you're not so using it, so it looks it, like Encyclopedia Britannica. It's exactly, like a massive book. sort of thing. <laughs> okay. But you can have it on the shelf, and then when you want to use it, you flip it open, and the fabric wrap sort of becomes the paper tray kind of thing. But oh. the point is, a, it's small. And B, it looks okay. You could have it in the corner of the room and you, when you're having your Christmas lunch or you're having that 10 people around the table for dinner, it's not like they've walked into your office. Well, and that's it, yeah. also key because a lot of people do use the spare room as an office. So if you've got to have some tech stuff, you either need to hide it in a cupboard or make it look okay. Look okay, yeah. Um, and that's the thing with desks, isn't it? You need a desk, I think, with some storage because you want to be able to put everything away. If you can't put it in a cupboard and shut the door on it, then you need to have drawers on it so that you can sort of sweep everything off the top in one movement. Yeah, I've got that. I've got big, deep um, drawers under my desk, so I could literally do that. Open the drawer and just sweep it all away. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really key. I mean, the other thing which I still think is difficult is the office chair. Because (gasps) if you sit at the office chair a lot, you probably do need a proper ergonomic one that supports you. The office chair still looks like an office chair. And that's a problem, I think, given the amount of people who work from home. So somebody needs to disrupt that. They 100% do. I mean, I've seen some really quite nice stylish office chairs but they start costing like two grand or something it's ridiculous you're not going to spend that on a home office one idea which I still haven't got round to but I think I will do now I'm at home is to get it upholstered in chintz how fab is that I can't believe I've never thought of that (laughs) that's really clever or just make a loose cover in a fabric that just like a sleeve just goes over the top of it I mean you've still got the spinny wheels at the bottom but I don't know if you need the spinny wheels I'm sure you can buy them without spinny wheels oh you like spinning yeah she's come over all wolf if you're if you're if you're having (laughs) if you're having spinny wheels you're going to need a hard floor but that's a really good Mm. idea so buy yourself the best office chair you I got mine afford. on eBay actually because it's a really good quality office chair because they are honestly the good ones are so expensive they are. They are. but there's no right reason why you can't and then get a seamstress to run you up a jazzy cover that's a very cool idea well there we go home offices <laughs> sorted so Kate we've got to that juicy part of the show when we start unearthing some design crimes what have you got for me this time do you know what I can't cope with the the words what? typography everywhere <laughs> i i can't do it there are so many love live laugh weep into your gin keep calm make it stop i i can't do it and i i i like words you know i've yeah, written a few a in my time but i think it's the fact that everybody has the same words there don't seem to be any original words together so, in so, sentences so what that, you're talking about is when people take keywords yeah. or phrases and use them as a sort of decorative yeah idea so you can get like in Dunnell Mill and places like that little carved letters you that can say get love. carved letters you can get neons you can get tea towels you can get prints there isn't a You've thing done a lot of research there on hasn't this. a thing that hasn't been written on and you know I think it's one of those things maybe it's where Instagram is a problem because you see it much more. You know, if I'd gone to someone's house a few years ago and seen something witty on the wall, I might have thought, oh, that's really cool. But the problem is now everybody's got the same phrase on everybody's okay. wall. So, so it's think, a bit unoriginal. You've got a problem with the unoriginality yeah, of the phrases and the quotes. I think so. And I get it if there's a phrase that particularly means something to you that you've had created 
into a picture that works for you, then I don't have a problem with that. I think it's the the overuse of cliched phrases, which I see everywhere. I find it upsetting. Okay, I've just Googled typography famed prints to see what sort of stuff comes up. Do more of what makes you happy. Oh, that's a good one. But I can just think that to myself. I don't need to see that shouting at me from the kitchen wall every morning <laughs> at seven o'clock. How about this one? Let's stay home. No. What about this one? Take chances. In the end, we only regret the chances we didn't take. Mm. <laughs> Is that the vomit emoji? <laughs> this one I like. Run like you stole something. <laughs> no, I like that. But you see, I haven't seen that one before. So maybe the problem is not that I'm anti them, but I'd like some new ones. Oh, no, you're going to love this one. Run like you stole something. Beauty begins the moment you decide to be yourself. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could, get, Please we could run on and on with this it. one. Stop it with the typography. Oh, God, yeah. I, Are we in agreement? I mean, I'm is just thinking, I have got a couple of typography have you? I'm just going to hide everything from you, Kate, and never let you back in my house again. Well, I'm not sure I'll be able to come again. It's going to be full of typography phrases and chins. I won't be able to get through the door. So you agree with me on that I one? I agree with you. Have 100%. you got one then? Yeah, but I'm not telling you what it says. <laughs> Change the subject to your own design crime then. Yeah, so my design I'm crime. I'm going to have a rummage my later. design crime was actually um, a listener's design crime sent into us via Instagram from living at number 29. First of all, she says, loving the podcast, by the way. Okay, good. Please rate and review, love. Rate and review. So she says, mine is monochrome children's bedrooms. I don't think there is a child on earth who would suggest their favourite colour is black or white. Kids' rooms are for kids, even if it is that cartoon monstrosity. Mm, there you go, strong views. That's quite strong. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there used to not be that much choice in kids' rooms. You know, it was either kind of football or fairies. Yeah. And I get that, you know, people were spending quite a lot of money working out what their taste was and decorating their houses. And then you'd go into the kids' room and it was like you'd stepped into a different building. So I think partly the monochrome thing stemmed from that idea of people being able to make a room a bit more in, grown up. Yeah, or in their own image or in their own taste, if you like. So you're not just walking into like a Disney castle randomly yeah. when the rest of your house is all very tasteful, monochrome or grey, And you can get some quite fun black and white prints. I think Firm Living do some quite nice black and white clouds See, and things. I so trust you to say that because you love all things <laughs> monochrome, completely plain to type. So my sort of, it's not so much the monochrome element of that design crime I've got an issue with. She finishes on saying kids' rooms for kids. And that's actually what I'm jumping on is I think it's a design crime to design a children's room, as you're saying, as, as if it was an adult's room. These overly grown-up, overstyled, very tasteful taupe or grey yeah. nurseries or kids' rooms. That's what I think is a design crime because I think a kid's room should be a reflection of what they're about. If they're really into black and white, then brilliant. You know, some, some kids maybe are. I know Arthur's having, he's seven. He's suddenly become obsessed with black. I am weeping internally and hoping it's just a phase. Well, that's interesting because my eldest, who's now nearly 18, so when we moved into our house just over eight years ago, he wanted a black carpet. So I think I think it's a phase. It's a phase. It's a phase. But through. I will indulge him in that. And I think it's really important to let your kids express themselves with their own design schemes. So I'd say going into Room 101 isn't black and white children's schemes. It's just dictatorial grown-up children's rooms and on that note one. i think we're going to delve into that subject in more detail in a couple of episodes time what? so we'll look at how to plan kids, kids rooms, rooms for kids coming so up. we'll deal with that i think just before half term 
And so enough of that contentious design crimes. Now, by popular demand, here's our summary of the few of the most important ideas we've covered in this episode. So first of all, we talked about decluttering. And I think the key point there is that if you're feeling overwhelmed by it, do it in stages. Put some stuff out of sight and out of mind. So use your suitcases under the bed. And then when you haven't looked at it for a while and you've realised you've completely forgotten what it was, perhaps you're ready then to get rid of it. So that's the key point there. Hold on a minute. <coughs> it's all that dust under the bed you keep talking about. <coughs> Moving on to the chintz, which might make me cough. I think there are two opposing point of views, which won't surprise you. Sophie says, if you're going to do it, go bold, go everywhere and really layer it on. And I would say be a little bit more minimal with it, but do it in an unexpected place. So the piping on the sofa or the back of the chair or the back of the cupboard. And finally, really great tip from Sophie there for the home office is if you've got an ugly desk chair or you work from home a lot and you need a really good supportive chair, upholster it in something jazzy, which may or may not be chintz in my case. (laughs) (laughs) We'll also put all that info on our blogs and please do get in touch on social media with any questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, or indeed design crimes. Instagram is where we mostly hang out. I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house. And next time we'll be talking about why white paint should be banned and how to zone those open plan spaces. But for now, it's time to say thank you so much to DFS for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you to Kate Taylor, our producer. And thank you for joining us as our mission to dominate the world via chat about cushions and paint enters its second exciting phase. We'll see you in the great indoors. Bye. Can I um, go and let the dog in now then? Could you? Yeah. She's barking quite a lot. (laughs) Poor thing.